Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Blog Talk, www.backsportspage.com. Live from the 62-degree weather of Atlanta, Georgia. It was cold last week, so cold that I fell asleep at 7 o'clock while watching my nieces and ne- my niece and my nephews, only one niece, two nephews. And before we start... Let me just look. I had the, I had the, my brother's kids for three day for eight days, three kids eight days. One one uncle Sean. Man, that's a lot of work. To all you single parents out there, I don't know how you do it. Really, have no idea on how you do that in a full time basis. To all you parents in general, kudos. If Thank you. Have you. Help, yay! Much better. <laughs> me, not so much help. My brother was actually surprised when he asked me, did you get to the gym? And I said, I got four out of eight days. He was genuinely surprised. He said, how did you manage to do that? Well, when it's important, Jay, you figure out what to do. What was important to the NFL last week was handing out some really, really long suspensions. <laughs> after a melee between the Browns and the Steelers. And we'll get to our college basketball special towards the bottom of the hour, about a half-hour recap after we talk a little college football, some baseball, and here we are with the NFL. And what could be the demise of the Seth and Sean Sports Radio fantasy team? For the first First time in how many years? Wait, Seth can't hear you. Uh. So, if Mason Rudolph, look, I don't wish ill on anybody, but if the kick to the head of Mason Rudolph knocks some sense into him in that he can actually throw the ball better, I think I might send a bouquet to Miles Garrett or some chocolate or something because Mason Rudolph has been terrible. Then we get to the point of Matthew Stafford having some broken bones in his back. But let's get back to the Miles Garrett thing. So I'm hoping Seth is back on. I'm, I'm Miles here. Garrett, Miles Garrett is appealing his suspension. He got suspended for the rest of the season, and he's appealing his suspension. And part of the reason, from what I understand, that he's appealing the suspension is because it is, quote, an indefinite suspension which means it has no term to it. Well, and I did not come up with this theory. This is uh, straight from profootballtalk.com, but I totally agree with it. Let's say he wins the, the appeal and the indefinite suspension is overruled. That doesn't mean he's not going to get suspended. That just means they're going to make it a definite suspension. 
of maybe a year or a year and a half. The point that indefinite means, and Roger Goodell and the NFL have said this, we want to talk to Miles Garrett before we put a game limit on it. Well, Miles Garrett is jumping the gun and saying, no, 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 I want, I want that now. Seth, I don't know how this, I don't know how this is a positive for Garrett, especially no, in light of for the, what happened for a guy who's so it for a guy who's I so can't intelligent. hear you. I know. Hold on, hold on. There is no volume to you. So, can you hear me now? I, I, I barely. I mean. It's it's a volume thing. My volume's all the way up to the top. Can you hear me now? Can you hear yeah, me now? That's better. Continue on. Can, yes, okay. you are now the new Sprint representative. Go ahead. Fantastic. Um, for a guy who what I was saying is for a guy so intelligent, you know, and if you listen to him speak, read about him, other than obviously this anomaly. There's nothing that would make you think he would do that because it's part of, part of his character. But yeah, think we can't hear you anymore. Oh, shit. Um. <laughs> this is slow. Okay. Seth comes in, he comes out, he comes in, he comes out. And when he curses, you right. can hear him curse. But that's about I'm all sure I can you hear. Can. can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, a little better. Okay. I said, for a guy so intelligent, it, it amazes me, you know, that, that this happened was, is an anomaly based on his character. But, I mean, if they want to give him an indefinite suspension, you know, they, I don't understand. Like, I, every I don't single understand word is breaking up. Right, I'm gonna every single up word is breaking up. I'm going to hang okay. up and try calling back. Sounds good. Okay. I think what Seth is saying is that for a guy that is so utterly intelligent in that every single time he is interviewed or every single time he talks, he has some intelligence. He, he speaks very eloquently. Is that what the heck snapped? What really snapped in this guy in order to bring him to the point of doing what he did? And to be clear... It wasn't only Miles Garrett by any stretch of the imagination. You had Pouncey. You had Rudolph is not blameless in this. He started the whole thing. You have several. Uh, Pouncey, I, I don't understand. And I know Seth and I talked about this offline, and when he calls back in, we'll talk about it a little bit more online. But... Pouncey, to me, deserved just as much of a suspension as Garrett. I understand when you are when you are sticking up for your quarterback. I get that. But there is a point where sticking up for your quarterback just doesn't apply. And I really thought that this was part of that. I was – I did not see it live. I know I – listened to the call from Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and they had never seen anything of that sort. And they were pretty much flabbergasted by what was going on. But here we are, and we have Miles Garrett with a 
indefinite suspension. Maurice Pouncey with a three-game suspension. A couple of other guys had one game here and one game there. But at the end of the day, Garrett gets the most, and rightfully so. He hit a guy with his own helmet and in a very dangerous situation. Now, there have been, there has been some talk of whether Miles Rudolph would – sorry, Mason Rudolph would be able to sue Miles Garrett for assault in the state of – I think they were in Cleveland at the time – in the state of Cleveland. Could he do it? Sure. You could sue somebody for anything. Would he be successful? Unlikely. For so many factors. But most importantly, by playing football, you're inheriting the risk of something going wrong. You're inheriting the risk of a violent nature of, we're still waiting on Seth to come back. You are inheriting the risk of a oh, Seth back. All right, let's see if we can hear Seth. Seth? Can you hear me? Seth? I can hear can you. you hear That's me? Better. Thank you. Okay. Perfect. So, so all I need to do I, is hit, I, hit I, the bathroom for 45 minutes. It seems like a perfect way to host the show. Oh, yeah. Well... But I think I think I got across that Miles Garrett is an eloquent guy. It, it, it's out of character for him. To for my point, I thought Pouncey, who only got three games, and I know you and I talked about this. I think Pouncey deserves a lot more. I think Pouncey deserved just as much as Garrett. The kicking that he did escalated this confrontation. I don't think if if Pouncey doesn't do what he did that Garrett doesn't go full blow. I really don't. It's, well, I think the question so being, and again, this is something we've discussed over the nope. years, is protection of the quarterback. And, you know, Pouncey in part was doing this as protection to his quarterback. And it's going to give, you're going to get more leeway. Now, whether Mason Rudolph should have gotten something also for trying to rip Garrett's helmet off is a whole other discussion as well. But it's neither here nor there. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you have a guy, you know, he wants, he, he wants, I would, I don't know, I yeah. need indefinite. That's what's better. Seth, it's, Seth, it's every other word again. We're just not hearing you. It's uh, nothing. I, I don't know what to tell so, you, man. I mean, the other calls, they all worked. All right, I'll try calling. I'll try walking around and seeing if I can, what I can find. Um <laughs> Well, I thought that I thought that Pouncey deserved more. I I thought Mason Rudolph is not blameless whatsoever. Um, him trying to rip the helmet off started this whole thing. But at the end of the day, yeah. Pittsburgh's going. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are both not making the playoffs, right? Probably I mean, not. At the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. So these suspensions are going to be what they are. And the unfortunate part is every game from now on, I know that during pregame there was a there was video of the last fight that the Steelers and Cleveland had, which I believe were in the 60s, that there was a fight between in, in the game. And now 
that fight won't be shown at all. This fight's going to be shown in perpetuity. And that's a shame. I mean, Miles Garrett is going to be remembered much the same way as Latrell Sprewell is, in that this is, this is the thing that he's going to be re- remembered for no matter what he does on the field, in my opinion. Even 20 years from now, people are going to remember this fight, much the same way as I believe Juan Marichal gets a bum rap because his career is not as celebrated because of what he did to Johnny Roseboro. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. And all three of these, you know, all these people that you're mentioning, and it's ironic we're talking about this on the 15th anniversary of the Malice at the Palace. Um, now, you don't, you don't have players, I guess, maybe run our test, to the, to the ability of Miles Garrett or to the ability of Juan Marshall, who's a Hall of Famer. Um, but you're right. That will be his lasting legacy, unfortunately, no matter what realistically happens in the rest of his career. You know, you know the funny thing is, I didn't realize Marichal was a Hall of Famer. I mean, I, look, I know what kind of pitcher he was. I know the history. But I don't think of Juan Marichal as a Hall of Famer. I think of him as the guy that threw the bat on Johnny Roseboro. And for those that are unaware of this story, in the 1950s, the Giants and the Dodgers were as heated a rivalry as there is in sports. They were probably twice as bad as the Yankees and Red Sox today. And they were playing in September, and there, was, there were a couple, of pitcher, pitch, uh, a couple of guys that were hit, and then there were a couple of warnings that were thrown. And then, back then, you had many different ways that you could kind of – I guess, throw it at a pitcher or throw it at a player. You could still do it today, but I think you'd be a whole lot more uh, scrutinized. But Johnny Roseboro took the ball, and when he threw it back to the pitcher at the time, he whisked it right back past the batter's ear. And the batter happened to be the pitcher, Juan Marichal. Juan Marichal turned around with his bat and slammed it on top of the catcher's head. And back then, they were not the catcher's masks and catcher's helmets that they were today. It basically was a baseball cap with a mask, so a cloth baseball cap. And he had eight or nine stitches. He came back. But if you look at the, the still photos, which is quite amusing, Roseboro just went straight at him. He didn't care. <laughs> he he yep. got hit over the head with a bat and went straight at him. And good on him. But – um. That's what I remember, uh, and they later made up, and, and there are lots of pictures of the two of them later in life. But, wow, that, that to me was one of those lasting images. And the only thing that I remember, one of the very few things I remember about Juan Marichal is that he not was a great pitcher with a tremendous leg kick, but he hit Johnny Roseboro over the head with a bat. So... Yeah, unfortunately, this will be to me. This will be Miles Garrett's uh, legacy forever, and he probably will be a Hall of Famer if he lives up to the, to what he's been doing. But you're not going to remember that. This is going to be shown every single year of Pittsburgh versus Cleveland, every year. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. Congrats, so, congratulations so on your big Jets win, though. 
Yeah. Rats on your big jet And plane. again, <laughs> yeah, well, the Jets can't do anything right. <laughs> they win. They win. And unfortunately, the defense scores like 25 points, so I lose three of my fantasy leagues. And because somebody had the audacity to pick up the Jets' defense against Washington. And, of course, we're going to – the Jets are going to pick again in, like, the 10 through 12 scenario. And that is awful. <laughs> that is no man's land. And, yeah, we were on track for the number one pick, then we were on track for the number four pick, and now we have three wins. Oh, goody. You can tell how much joy in Mudville because the mighty Adam Gase struck out. And to add insult to injury, Chris, uh, Chris Johnson, Chris Johnson, Woody's brother, has said mm-hmm. Adam Gase will be back next year. Yay! Woohoo! Gase is back. Just get it's better and better. Well, what bothers me is that why should the owner be the one determining whether the coach is back? Isn't that the general manager's job? Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole whole other discussion point. And yeah, but it kind of just it summarizes what your what your team is. It's there seems to be no rhyme or reason. There just seems to be no rhyme or reason. And not that my team is killing it in any capacity, but, you know, and God you may not have a reason, but you have a, you, you may not have a reason, but you have a Danny Dimes. Well, you have Sam Darnold, which should make you happy. I was, I mean, I was, well, I was trying, I was trying to make a pun on the rhyme. You have a Danny Dime. Go with me here. Come on. Come on now. Sorry. You were not so but I just didn't know. It's my fault. Not 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 so not so funny, but anyway, and that that that's okay. that's okay. So, all right. So in the last week, we have the NFL has done what they've done, and we have possibly the biggest rule scandal in baseball in some time. Now, stealing signs has always been one of those unwritten rules, and if you haven't heard the story, that Mike Fears, who used to play for the Houston Astros actually admitted that the Houston Astros have been stealing signs for several years using binoculars, using camera, cameras in center field. Seth, what do you make of this? Because I'm not sh- I mean, the Yankees get suspended for using Apple or get fined for using Apple watches. This is technology. I don't really think it matters as long as everybody can do it. But if everybody can't do it, or does I mean, so you don't think there should be there's any no rush, rule, any, right? There's no rule. There's no rule that you can't it's an unwritten, Well, no, the rule is that you cannot use electronics to steal signs. There is no rule that says that you cannot steal signs. None. None in the Major League Baseball handbook. None whatsoever. You can steal signs as much as you want, as long as you do it without the use of electronics which is why the Yankees got dinged for the Apple Watch and why Houston is being dinged for cameras. Stealing signs has been, has been done used for forever. forever. Yeah. So, 
I mean, I don't. I, I look. I get that they cheated. I get that that Houston has perpetuated, and it, it's funny because not only in baseball, but you look at Daryl Morey in basketball, and it looks like the whole city of Houston has pushed the envelope to where it could be. Daryl Morey trying to circumvent the salary cap with a contract for Nene this, this offseason. What do you think – well, what do you think about the situation, number one? And number two, what do you think the, uh, the outcome is going to be? I think at the end of the day, the outcome is not going to be much that's going to come out of it. Because what is your worst-case scenario here? You can't take away a World Series. You can't take away two. You, know, you can't take away a um, ALCS win. So what do you think? You're going to fine them? Jim Crane's a billionaire. We'll do, how, how much is that going to do? So I don't think there's going to be any material impact. But, you know, I could be wrong, but that, I don't – it'll be a big fine. Draft picks will be taken away, but that's it. There's not much more that you can do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you you might have um, you might have some international money taken away from scouting, and you may like this, that, and the other thing. But you're right; you can't take away a World Series. It's not like the NCAA where they can vacate championships. This was done and done. And speaking of vacating championships, let's talk about the next cheating scandal. And this was very good segue into our college basketball preview with the center down in Memphis, who supposedly was moved by Anthony Hardaway a couple of years ago for his AAU club. After Anthony Hardaway 10 years ago donated a million dollars to Memphis which qualified him as a booster. So what does Memphis do? They play uh, – I, I can't remember this guy's name for the life of me. James, James Wiseman. James Wiseman. Wiseman. So I, I got half of it right. James Wiseman. So they play the first game – play a couple of games with him. They sue for an injunction. They then withdraw the suit hoping to get favorable terms from the NCAA – and now we're in limbo, I believe, until next week when there will be a hearing. Man, this is a lot of work for a guy. The one-and-done <laughs> rule, when this is done, will we'll probably alleviate all of this, no? Like, James, yeah. James Weissman doesn't, doesn't belong in college. Well, okay, that's a bad this thing. Is not, this, isn't James, this isn't James Winston. James Weissman. All right. James Weissman. James Wiseman deserves to be in college if he wants to be in college. That, that's not what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say was he probably, if the one-and-done rule doesn't occur, isn't there, he's not in college, correct? Probably not. I would assume not. And then, and then this doesn't matter. I don't think you're going to get the fresh – I don't think you're going to get the guys like this that these guys are going to go straight to the pros. I don't think you're going to have these one and done. Although, you know, we before when LeBron was, was going out, you still had NCAA violations. So who am I to speak? But, okay, so Memphis 
with James Wiseman is a Final Four team? No, uh, they, I don't think so. I think they're similar to some of the Duke teams recently and some of the Kentucky teams where they're extraordinarily talented. But, you know, the five freshmen, I, I don't – it's a lot. And, it's, you, you, you know, as, as good as Penny Hardaway may be as a recruiter, I'm not exactly going to put him on the uh, Krzyzewski, Calipari coaching list at this point. I think I think they're a Sweet 16 team. Yeah, Sweet 16, maybe they make the final eight. I think they're, they're a step short of the final four. Okay, so let's talk about this. So, so let, let's start in the Big Ten. So the Big Ten with your Terps, and your Terps are very good this year. I, I, we are. They, they are, are extremely are. talented. We are, we are. Extremely talented. But is this the year they make the jump, or are we going to be perennially, perennially disappointed, as we always are with them? If it's not, this is the end of Turgeon. Um, you're bringing back everybody except Bruno Fernando from a team that was – Give or take top 20. You're, there is no discernible weakness on the team. You have a top 20, top 15, I think, recruiting class coming in. You're big. You're fast. You're not shooting well, particularly to start the season, but not, you know, I'm not too concerned yet. If they can limit their turnovers, they're a Final Four. I think they're a Final Four team. Okay, but that doesn't answer my question. Are they a Final Four team? Yes. In your mind, are you, if you're going to Vegas, are you putting money on them going to the Final Four? Say ten bucks. But let's say a yeah. reasonable amount, hundred dollars. Yeah, I put money on. I I think okay. there are six or seven teams that are. Actually, I think this year there's about twenty teams. I think there's no. I think there is no favorite this year, even more than in most years. But. What I like, and this is something you just brought up, you know, you have Duke and Kentucky who are Duke and Kentucky, and you have Michigan State who I, I think I, I don't quite grasp the, um, you know, the unanimous preseason number one. I know Cassius Winston is really good. Um, I know that Josh Langford is coming off an injury, which we don't know what the repercussions are going to be. They have as good a chance as any to go to the Final Four, and they're more experienced in all in pretty much all of these teams. So I like my chances, and if not, then Turgeon, then it's time for Turgeon to go, because if it's not this year, it's never going to happen with them. And this is not a team that should be going to the to the second round to the Sweet Sixteen once in eight years. Just shouldn't be. Okay, I mean, look, you can't really. I'm I'm not looking I'm looking just this year. All right. So so Big Ten you're picking Big Ten's a good good conference this year in basketball. A little yeah. bit underrated or, or are they spot no, or are they where they should I be? Actually, I actually don't think they're a great conference this year. I think you have the the three favorites are Michigan State, Maryland and Ohio State. Holtzman's done a hell of a job since coming over from Xavier, or uh, Butler, excuse me. Um, with Caleb Wesson coming back, if Ohio State can get guard play, they're a fine, they're a very, very good team. But you look at some of these others, Purdue, 
you know, who should have should have gone to the Final Four and beat Virginia in the final eight games wasn't for the miracle shot um, in the last second. You know, loses Carson Edwards. They take a big step back. Michigan, more important than the players, loses John Bayline. And while John Howard may end up being a good coach, he's certainly a good recru- certainly off to a good recruiting start. Um, they're going to take a big step back. Indiana, you know, loses has not been very good. Loses Romeo Langford. So I, I, Penn State is actually kind of a surprise team in the uh, in the Big Ten and could make a run at a four, you know a four seed or five seed. But I think you're looking realistically. You're looking at the top three is Ohio State, Michigan State, and Maryland, probably the reverse being the predicted order. And then after that, I think it's kind of a, a pretty open. I don't think it's so a great year for, you, for Big Ten basketball. So, so give me some insight here. You yeah. just talked about Penn State, and Penn State is not a team that I generally hear, let alone, look, I have a lot of friends who went to Penn State. And basically, they are the antithesis of Syracuse. When football season ends, they they count down the days to the next football season. In Syracuse, when basketball season ends, they count down the days to the next basketball season. Why is this year any different? What, you you call them a, a underdog. You call them a hopeful underdog type may surprise. What makes let's go to the Passover they reference. Back. What makes this this team different from all other teams? Now, this night is different from all other nights for a variety of reasons. Tony Carr comes back, who's, who's a Big Ten, all Big Ten player. They bring back pretty much everybody. This is from a team that was pretty decent last year. And similar to Turgeon, this is, this is Pat Chambers' ninth year, tenth year. Either if it's not this year, it's not going to happen. And with a weakened Big Ten and some, te- some, some upper-class talent coming back, I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert on on Penn State basketball to be honest, but they they are a team that is they're a team that I would consider pretty dangerous, and it's kind of that four seed five seed floater that you know with because of their experience they really could make a good run, kind of like Northwestern did a couple of years ago. Okay, so let's move on. So we have we we've talked about the Big Ten. We got the top three, and then everybody else. First of all, how many seeds of the NCAA tournament come out of the Big Ten? Probably around six. Six. All right. So let's move on to the uh, – let's go to the Pac-10. Let's go to Oregon. Let's go to UCLA, USC, Arizona. Arizona is looking mighty fine out there in the West. Will they take the they number are. one seed in the West for the NCAA tournament? No. No, no, let's not play out of proportion. Um, you know, it, it does seem after their one-year hiatus, you know, it looks like Sean Miller is going to get away, or get away may not be the right words, but it doesn't look like there's going to be any long-term impact from uh, the scandals with Sean Miller at, at Dona. I don't think they're the number one team in the West. I don't think they're the number one team in the Pac-10. I think that goes to Oregon. Um, extremely athletic, led by Peyton Pritchard. Pitcher, Who's kind of that? There, those are your two teams. UCLA, which you mentioned, um, it's the first year. Of, and I am not really convinced Mick Cronin is the right coach for UCLA, just under any circumstance. But I also didn't, to be fair, I also didn't think Ben Howland was the right coach, and he got them to three. Was it three Final Fours in one title game? So 
you know, who knows? But they're not going to do it in the first year. The Pac-10 is still pretty, you know, Mike, Mike seems to be building a nice team up in, up in uh, Washington. I know you're pretty familiar with them. But well, but it's not a high it's not a real high end conference. And you're looking you're looking you're looking Oregon, Arizona, then maybe Arizona State, and then everybody else. Okay. So I think well Washington won the division won the Pac ten last year. So yes. and they got a top ten recruit this year. So in Isaiah yep. Stewart. And the only reason I know about Isaiah Stewart is he picked Washington over Syracuse. So I know and he's a local boy. I believe he's from Rochester. So we know all about Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, if you're going Washington, to give me I a should that. Sorry, go ahead. No, Washington, I should have probably in that third spot. So anyway, so, continue. So okay, so you 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 danced around that Mick Cronin's not the right right to coach may not be the right coach for UCLA. You thought that Ben Howland wasn't the right coach for UCLA. Who is the right coach for UCLA? Why, why are these guys – this isn't a questioning of, of your knowledge. This is more of a questioning of can styles adapt in which UCLA is not the fun run and gun that they are anymore, and maybe they adapt to the style of the coach rather than the coach adapts to the style of the school. Well, I mean, that's what happened with Howland. You know, Howland was not a, per se an L.A. guy. You know, he was in, I think, northern Arizona, and then he went to Pitt. And then he, um, you know, went, went to UCLA. And was, you know, he went to a title game and went to one or two, as I said, went to a title game, and I think three final fours, but I could be wrong. You know, was pretty much run out of town. I think UCLA is kind of that, the, to quote your college football, your best college football playoff pick this year, kind of the Nebraska of college football, college basketball, where I had to throw that in because that was not one. Of yeah, the that's fine. I was gonna take. Um, hey, I was going to take. I was gonna take it. I was gonna take the hit during the last five minutes, so I knew what I was doing. You are absolutely spot on for the guy that that predicted that Nebraska would go to the NCAA playoff. Uh, yeah, that didn't come true. Okay, continue on. But but that. Not that the sport has passed them by, but you know, there's a high impression within the boundaries of the school than anywhere else. And UCLA is UCLA to people who live in LA or people who are over 60 years old and saw John Wolf in the 60s and 70s. Otherwise, there, you know, in the last 20 years, one title in 95, which is now almost 25 years ago. Of course. And I think if they wanted, Vince is an unbelievable thing growing up, they would have gone after Patino. You know, that's the kind of guy they want. Now, Crony may end up being the right pick. But it struck me as a very unusual. I would think they would want a guy who's more running gun, more high end, more high publicity, as opposed to a guy who kind of reminds me—not personally reminds me of how, but kind of a much lower key demeanor, where it didn't really play well in a town that was kind of run by run by a nickname called Showtime. 
No, that's that's a that's a fair statement to have. Okay, let's move on to the ACC. Syracuse probably right now. Joe Lenardi does not have us in the tournament. I agree with that. A hundred percent agree with that. We got blown out by Virginia. Although losing to Virginia, when only having Virginia score forty-eight points, is 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 a bit much on opening night. But losing big to Virginia have have come back, have beaten a couple of teams two and one. I agree that they are on the outside looking in at this point. But where are the top seeds coming from? Because at least one of them, at least one top seed in the end, I'd probably like to look this up. I have to believe that one top seed probably in the last 10 years has always come from the ACC. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I think you're looking at Louisville. Um, You know, you're going to say Duke, you know, Duke is Duke, and they're going to be right there with Trey Jones, and they brought in Vernon Carey. And there are other fresh, any other freshman studs in North Carolina. May have brought in the best freshman in the country and call Anthony. But, you know, Louisville again. You kind of got the combination of some young talent, but you have guys like Jordan Nora, who's going to be a preseason All-American. They're just they're just in very good shape for this year and going forward. Um, it's not a strong, you know. Plus, you can't walk away from Virginia. You know, you, you know and obviously, guy is gone. Uh, um, the, the DeAndre Hunter's gone. You know, Kyle, Ty Jerome is gone. You know, they're a team that's going to be a consistent top 15 to 20 going forward as long as Tony Bennett's there. I think that is your top four. Um, I don't think – the problem I'm having is I don't see too many – I don't think it's a strong year for college basketball. And so I, 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 other than after the top four, I don't know who the, the five, six, seven teams are in the agency. You know, is it Florida State well, who's me... kind of built some consistency? Is it a Cuse who, you know, they're Cuse? I'm not sure. Right now. But the, the, the well, bottom part is not, that. not clean. Well, let me play off that. You said it's not an extremely strong year for college basketball. And this has been a statement made numerous times over the last, since we started the show. And for for one reason or another, it's not a particularly strong year for college basketball, yet it becomes a very fun year for college basketball. So to me, and maybe not to you, I like the parity in college basketball. I like that you're not going to see Duke come in and go 30-1. and one. I'd be surprised if any team went 30-1 and one this year. I'm not sure if you would, but I would. Oh, no, I don't disagree I know, with you. I, I don't disagree with you, but there's a difference between parity and like the 2005 UConn Butler National Championship game, and that's what I don't. Want. But so, that's a but that's circumstance, right? That's not. I mean, that was an anomaly. That's not a. I mean, UConn was what seed? An eight or a nine? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean. How many times does that happen? I think it's happened twice, where you right. where a nine or an eight, an eight through a ten has made it even to the final game, let alone UConn winning it. So I think that is as much of an anomaly as you could possibly have. Yeah, I I, I get that, but we've seen years, more recent, obvious, where 
you know, as you said, the, the caliber of college basketball is not what it was 10, 15 years ago. It, it'll never go back because you're going to have guys who don't want to And, you know, even myself, who is a college basketball fan, but nowhere near what I was 15, 20 years ago, both because of professional reasons and because when, so when people leave every year, it's hard. To, it's kind of hard to follow. Um, so it, it could lead, look, it could lead to a really great tournament. It could lead to a lot of fun or it could lead to really bad basketball. We'll see which one it is. Okay, so let me let me play that out. So next year is probably the last year of the one and done. All reports yes. are in 2021-22, it's done, right? The draft in 2021, 2020 will be the last draft next year that will have freshmen. That that well, sorry, that will only have freshmen, freshmen through uh, freshmen through seniors. Do you think college basketball is going to get better or worse? Because I'm not That's, really sure. I don't know. I'm not sure it's going to get worse. Because I think the people – what I do hope happens is when they redo the CBA with this, that – and I, I'm not confident this will happen, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm hopeful that if – if you decide to go to, to go pro or go to the G League or go play overseas, you know, God bless. But if you, if you decide to play to stay in college, I hope they, they I hope it's mandated you have to stay for two years. I don't know if that's legally would pass a legal challenge. I'm not an attorney, but at least it would give some continuity and a lot of players who realistically are not ready to leave will stay a little longer and get a little bit more, develop a little bit more. Um. We'll see how it plays out. I don't know. Okay, well, to answer your legal question, as long as it is collectively bargained, uh, you can do whatever you want. Uh, we've seen this in three different sports done three different ways, right? In the mm-hmm. NBA, you have to stay one year. In the NFL, you have to stay – you can be a draft-eligible sophomore, but you have to be three years out of school, out of your high school. And in baseball, you have to be actually a junior. So three different ways, three different sports, all collectively bargained. So it is the only difference is in football, you can't come straight out. I think with football coming straight out would be kind of difficult, but that's just me. Um, the exception is sure kind of, of those guys. Adrian Peterson, but yeah, I get your point. Right. Okay. So let's move on. So we did the SEC. We have to get the SEC. And I'm missing one. We're getting. To, we have to talk about the Big, Big East 10, Big and the ACC and the Big Twelve. The Big 12. So we got four more conferences. Four more conferences. Let's let's talk about the Big Twelve. Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas may or may not see the postseason. I guess we're going to find out soon enough. If Kansas sees the sees the, sees the the postseason, see here's the issue with Kansas. They should be the favorite. Um, Silvio D'Souza, surprisingly, has been declared eligible. Um, you have uh, Obikwe, the big center. You have David McCormick, the big center. You have the guard Dotson, who's fantastic. You have a really, you have a very, very good team. Um, but you know, more than anything, we don't know how the ramifications 
if there will be any, for Bill Self and the Jayhawks. We just don't know. Um, they would probably be my, my pick to win it all, but I don't know how you pick that team with no idea how this plays out, because none of us do. So, um, so it's, where do you go from there? It, I know that after, was it 11 years, 12 years, the, the finally there was, was not a Kansas championship last year, but I think I think we I think we revert back to the norm. There's no there's no great Big Twelve team that I know of. Baylor Baylor's always pretty good, but Baylor always seems to kind of disappoint a little bit. Um, Oklahoma State's okay, although I think next year they'll be better. They're the number two recruit in the country coming in. Um, Iowa State has done a decent, has done a really nice job, but they're more of kind of that three again, that three four team. I don't see, I don't, I don't really see anyone threatening. You know, maybe Texas Tech, Chris Beard, and obviously we know how good his coach he is and the job that he did last year. But they've lost so much talent, even with bringing in the five, the five root card, the, the five star recruit Ramsey. Um, it's Kansas League. Until it's until it's, until the NCAA said it's not. All right, fair enough. So let's move on to the SEC. SEC is predominantly, as we know, a football conference. But here we are looking at them in a basketball point of view. Where what are we seeing out of SEC? We're seeing what you typically. Well, I mean, really, are are they really as big? A, I mean, as good a football conference as they are. They're really good in basketball last year. They were probably the best conference in basketball last year. Yet, you know, Tennessee went to the – Auburn went to the Final Four. Tennessee very well could have gone to the Final Four. Kentucky very well could have gone to the Final Four. Um, you're, you're looking at – you're looking at – they won't be quite as strong. Tennessee loses Grant Williams. Auburn loses, you know, guys from the Final Four team. You're looking at Kentucky and you're looking at FR. Now, Kentucky – it's certainly not off to the world's greatest start, losing to losing to Evansville <laughs> and um, to Utah Valley last, which was kind of weird. Florida has not been scoring very well. Kerry Brashear, the all, probably in the All-American transfer from Virginia Tech, is um, you know the the question with Evansville, are they going to be able to score? Mike White, the coach? It's a Final Four caliber team. I'm not sure there. Um, and then, then what's happened is the middle tier, the Tennessee, the Auburn, it seems like that have really taken the LSU, although they they lost uh, their, their guard that they lost Waters um, to the draft. You know, they're taking a bit of a step back, I think, this year as well. But for all intents and purposes, it's a good – it's not the SEC of five years ago. The coaches, Pearl and Barnes and, and Cal Perry – in in in, uh, in Holland, for that matter, it's a good it is a good it is a good basketball conference as well, not just a football conference. All right. So how many? I'm going to ask you the exact same question. How many teams come out of the SEC for the tournament? Six, Six teams. Are they the ACC? I assume would have the most. Is that where we're going with this? Yeah, the ACC will have will have probably eight. Okay, and let's move on to the AAC or the Big East. 
You can choose your poison. I get mixed up by them, to be perfectly honest. Villanova, although they got a couple, a couple of days ago, led by um, the freshman, the freshman uh, Villanova is Villanova. They'll end up 15 to 20 at the end of the year. Jay, Jay Wright may be the most popular coach in America at this point. Xavier is really good because they're Xavier and they're always good. Um, as I said, Seton Hall, and I'm, I'm kind of stoked, December 19th, Maryland coming up to the crew to play Seton Hall. Um, as long as Miles Powell is healthy, and I'm not sure he is right now. I think he's out for a couple of weeks. But they just gave Michigan State all they could handle, losing 76-73. They're going to they're gonna be – they're well coached, and they're going to be a solid team. But class of these – you know, Connecticut is still kind of coming back under Dan Hurley. You know, they got they, – they really fell under some pretty tough times under the, under Kevin Ali, and it really hasn't improved yet because it's going to take some time. But it's a um, – they're – it's Nova and everybody else. So, so Seth, this one hurts, and it came out this week, and I know we talked about this on the show. A couple of years ago, Toreen Thompson, a Syracuse center, leaves school the day before classes start and right. transfers to Seton Hall. <laughs> transfers to Seton Hall. Just this week, and supposedly he transferred to be closer to his family, who are from New Jersey. Don't have any problems with that. But here's where it gets interesting. While Thompson was a student, over 200 phone calls were made between Shanine Holloway, if those that remember Seton Hall, great player. Point guard. Point guard. I believe he was was a point guard in the 90s or maybe 2000. Yeah, I think it was the late 90s. Okay. And Thompson's family. So Willard, Kevin Willard, who is the coach, gets a couple of games. Gene Holloway gets a couple of games. And supposedly Toreen Thompson is being held out of this, held out of games, not because of injury. We talked about rules before. This is one of those that's pretty cut and dry, no? This reminds me very much of... uh, of Kelvin Sampson, impermissible phone calls, impermissible text messages, over 200. Like, I don't even have uh, – I was pissed off then. I'm even more pissed off now. And I'm not sure who I'm pissed off at. I think that's the biggest problem. I can't be pissed off at the kids. And I think that's the end result here is the kid's the one that generally suffers. But are you really pissed off at the kid? Are you really pissed off – at James Wiseman. No, James Wiseman had an opportunity and took it. I wouldn't be pissed off at him. Could you be pissed off at Anthony Hardaway? You might be, but he wasn't the coach of Memphis back then. I, I'm, I'm venting. I understand I'm venting, but I'm venting. So, okay. So we finished the AAC. We finished the Big East. No, we didn't finish the AAC. You got Butler. And Cincinnati, no, Butler's in the Big East. I confuse those two also. So do I. I know Cincinnati's in the AAC. I know Cincinnati's in the AAC. I know that, but, okay. Who are your final four for this year? Give me some final four. 
Maryland, Kansas. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Maryland, Kansas, uh, Louisville, and Duke. Okay, now there is a bigger question than who are your final four. If those are your final four, will you be spending the weekend of the final four on my couch? If it's in Atlanta, yes. It is in Atlanta this year, my friend. I knew there was a reason you moved there. I have already, I have already discussed this with my business partner. This is a this is a working arrangement. I've already discussed this with my business partner. He is aware of it. My wife knows better, so she may be. I, I, was, I, 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 I don't think I don't think Mark would have a problem with it. I was going to ask the same question I asked Jay when he thought the Jets were going to the no. Super Bowl. Have you confirmed no. this with your wife? Carly would have no issue. Honestly, she'd have no issue. The bigger question okay. is she may want to come. She may want to come, but well, that's she would have you. no. <laughs> but if Maryland, if Maryland goes to a final, there's I, I you know I missed it in a one in a, I missed it in a, a one in a bat, twenty of us in a bachelor party for one of our fraternity brothers. I missed it in a two because it was in Atlanta and I just broken up with a girl. From Atlanta, who destroyed me the last time I knew would be there. In retrospect, stupid for that. It's flawed thought process. But there is no reason in the world that I would not go if we made the final four. Okay, well, the couch is ready, and there will be nightstands tomorrow because I'm actually doing this week. And as you can hear, I am out on the streets of Atlanta. So hold on a second. So we have our final five minutes. And Seth, let me ask you one very quick question, and then uh, if you have something for the final five, go for it. Does a one-loss Alabama team make the fi- make the final four in college football over a one-loss champion? Of either the Big Twelve or the Pac Ten. Alabama doesn't because what's that? Alabama doesn't, but Georgia does. Alabama has so Alabama so Alabama's out. I think they have a very difficult time because remember a lot of this is based on is based on more than anything else. Alabama loses to a. I mean, it's a, it's a real. It's, I think it's a difficult one for them now because they not only will they not win, most likely not going to win the SEC. They're not going to win their division in the SEC. Correct. Now, they're if they're not going to play in the championship game, in all unless right. Georgia loses. Unless Georgia and LSU lose their last no. two games, Georgia's not. Georgia's not in the same. No, no, no. Georgia's oh, in the same division. LSU sorry, would LSU, have to lose. LSU needs to lose two consecutive games 
right. to Which teams that – and Alabama has to beat Auburn. Which is, is no given. So, right. the, the SEC, so I think Alabama is out. I don't think Alabama without Tua, you can, you can justify it however you want. Get over and you know, again, we'll also see how they play against Auburn. You know, Oregon is number 17 right now. They're going to play Utah most likely for number eight in the um, in the Pac 10 championships. They're going to be 11 and 1 for one first game in Auburn. You know, which again, they should have won. Uh, Oklahoma, I don't think Oklahoma because Oklahoma has just not been impressive. They, you know, they, they came back from 24 down, which is fantastic against Baylor. But you're letting them 50 points to Kansas State. I, I, I don't see it. I think what you're looking at is you're looking at Ohio State, obviously. You're looking at Clemson, obviously. You're looking at LSU, obviously. Georgia beats LSU in the SEC, SEC championship. You have two teams from the SEC. If they don't, then then I think you're looking. I think you're looking at potentially the back to the Pac-10 winner. I I don't see I don't see Alabama. Alabama has no no. It's with Alabama. Alabama has one top one top twenty-five win all year. So and exactly. So I'm getting a stand. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I was thinking about that today, completely with you, in that there, I think this is the, not the end of Alabama, but it's the end of the run because Alabama has been in every college playoff, I believe in every college, uh, not college, football playoff and uh, BCS uh, for the last 10 years, and this will be the end of that. And the unfortunate part is that Tua – that injury, that's from what I understand, that that's that that's scary for the guy that was supposedly the number one pick in the draft. Okay, we either lost that. It would not be, but. Okay, he's not. You're not. You're not going to see him go above the Justin Herbert barrel at this point. So I, I think you're looking at a late first round to be the contender yeah, where he's going. Yeah, I don't even think he's going to go in the first round. I don't think you take that risk with a first round pick. Granted, it, a late. You know what? If you look at New England, you never know. New England taking Tua with the last pick. The last or the second last pick would be that 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 sounds smart. Anyway, for Seth Kamens, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsBase.com. Next week we will talk a little bit more NFL. We didn't get to a whole lot of that this week. Shocker, I know. And uh, we'll catch you right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Have a great day, everybody. Have a good one.